0: Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska Podcast. I hope the Word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the Word. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 21 and 22 from the New King James Version says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor sanctified, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Verse 22, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Let's pray real quick. I'll read the other in just a moment. Father, thank you for the honor and the privilege to preach your word tonight. Holy Spirit, would you speak through me, touch and change the hearts and lives of your people in your name, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Now, that passage in 2 Timothy, verse 21 says, therefore, and as you've probably heard said many times, whenever you see that term, therefore, you have to wonder what it's there for. Uh, It's there to give us instructions. Paul is giving instructions to Timothy, uh, his his son in the faith, uh, the young man who Paul raised up and mentored and in place to pastor uh, a church in Ephesus that Paul had established, and he's giving him instructions, and there's some, some very specific instructions here, and he's telling us if anyone cleanses himself from the ladder, which means you got to get rid of something, okay? If you do that, you'll become a vessel of honor. And tonight I want to talk about being vessels, empty vessels, and how if we can become empty vessels, and you gotta, you got to stay with me all the way through this, because some of you might already be like, well, wait, I thought we were supposed to be filled with God. Don't get ahead. Just right now, let's just think about, we need to be empty vessels and we'll become blessed people. Look at 2 Kings chapter 4, the first seven verses. 2 Kings chapter 4, the first seven verses, again, coming from the New King James Version. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Verse 2, so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. Verse 4, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons Then pour into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Verse seven. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons will live on the rest. Empty vessels, blessed people. That first passage of Scripture from Second Timothy is something the Lord has been working on me about. He's really been working on me about being all that I'm supposed to be. I'm a product of going to kids camp and youth camp growing up. Uh, church camp. I'm a product of being called in the ministry at age 16 at youth camp, and the Lord telling me I'm calling you in the ministry, and me walking through some things that the Lord specifically said I need you to do if you're going to answer that call. And and to the best of my ability, in spite of failures and and shortcomings on my part, I've done my best to live up to that. And of course, God put uh, ordained Jan and I to be together, meeting at Bible college and in launching our our ministry 30 uh, something years ago. Uh, being involved in ministry. And, and yet I still find myself saying, Lord, I, I just have so many issues. Lord, I haven't arrived yet. Lord, am I ever going to get it right? Lord, can you still do something with me? Holy spirit, can you help me please? And he took Jan and I this year, especially to this passage of scripture. That we have made a determination that we're going to be what Paul is declaring we can be. Vessels of honor, sanctified, set apart, useful in the master's service for every good work. And that every good work is not just standing up here and preaching. Can I tell you, I love to do this. It's like, give me an opportunity to preach and I will preach. I've said many times, there are people that can preach at the drop of a hat. I happen to be one that will drop the hat so that I can have an opportunity. I love to do that. But there are times going through the day in, day out where where my past and the the enemy loves to, he knows the things that can trigger me and he loves to work on me. And it's like, Lord, my vessel's dirty again. Oh, Lord, I'm not being that vessel of honor. Lord, I'm just not seeing, I'm still struggling with this. Can anybody relate? tonight can I'm here I'm here to tell you tonight that you're not alone in that and just because maybe somebody like myself that's been in the ministry and 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 maybe is continuing on with his education and so he ought to know better uh, just because it, it we stand up here and you're like I, you know I just they never mess up can I tell you that's not the case we need to constantly keep before us this idea of, Lord, I need to empty myself of everything that is not you. I need to be an empty vessel before you so that you can fill me with you. Amen? Amen. So I hope tonight that you're going you're to see that. I, I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to gain a greater understanding about being a the blessing of being empty, of being an empty vessel that he can fill. And I believe he wants to use this passage and others to help us to understand the importance of trusting God and his ways. See, to the world, it seems like God works backwards or opposite of how it should be. First Corinthians 1.18 says, the preaching or the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but man, it is power and life to those who believe. The cross doesn't make sense to people who haven't had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus yet. But I love what Billy Graham said. He said it several times and said it once again before he passed away. When you preach the cross of Jesus, you are forcing people to make a decision. No one hears the message of the cross and walks away unchanged. They're either making a decision to believe in the message of the cross, to accept what Christ did on the cross, accept him as their Lord and Savior, or they're choosing to reject it. But to the world, the preaching of the cross doesn't make sense. Some people just can't seem to understand the truth of the gospel. Well, that just seems like that's just so simple. It is so simple that children can understand. God good, devil bad. Love God, hate sin. Serve God, go to heaven. Don't serve God, go to hell with the devil. It really is that simple. But the world thinks it's backwards. The world says, go ahead, step on or climb over whoever you have to to get to the top. God says, prefer one another. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. And people outside of the kingdom of God look at that and go, that makes no sense. The world says if somebody treats you bad then you, and they treat you wrong, then man, you give it right back to them in kind. And yet God says to love our enemies and to do good to those who spitefully would use us. The world says that we have power and potential in ourselves for greatness, that we need only to believe in our own greatness and potential and we can accomplish anything. And yet God says, apart from him, we can do nothing left to ourselves. We only find death and destruction. God says to find your life, you must lose it. If you want to be first, you must have the attitude that I am last. If you are proud or arrogant, the Bible says you will be brought low. But if you are humble, God will exalt you. It all seems crazy, it all seems backwards, and that's just the way it should be, amen? Amen? God's kingdom, church, is unlike anything this world has, uh, has an understanding about don't, don't get me wrong. You and I, we are part of something that is powerful. We are part of something that is important. This isn't some little small thing. This isn't some little activity. Now maybe if you're here tonight and you haven't fully bought in, but you happen to show up tonight, well, it's because the Lord wanted you here tonight because he specifically, if you're in that case or you're online, he wants you to know what you're what you're buying into the kingdom of God that is within you. Jesus said the kingdom of God that he's called us to be a part of. He's called us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated and transported us into the kingdom of light of his God, the God light of his son, Jesus. That's no small thing. That's a big deal. Church, we're a big deal, not because of us, but because of him. We belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We belong to a kingdom that's an everlasting kingdom. We belong to a kingdom of power and might and joy and righteousness and peace and love. All the things that the world is searching for we're part of. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. So it's no wonder that the world doesn't understand what we're all about. It's no wonder the world does what they do. Don't be shocked that people that aren't part of the kingdom of God act the way they act. Be shocked that people that are called themselves part of the kingdom of God and act like they're not be shocked about that. But people that haven't been brought in yet, people that haven't gotten saved yet, people that the light hasn't shown on them and they understand how great and awesome he is and the love that he offers us, don't be surprised they act like they do. They're searching. They're desperate for the answer that you and I carry. And many times when God speaks to us, it doesn't make sense, even in the kingdom. I mean, let's talk about this, this, this widow woman in second Kings. She was poor. She says there in, in verse two, uh, Elisha says to her, what can I do to help you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she says, I don't have anything except a flask of oil. She was poor and she needed help. So she went to the man of God. And what does the man of God tell her? The prophet says, go borrow empty vessels, as many as you can find. Now to the natural mind, that seems like a strange answer. I mean, the, the, to the natural mind, the answer to this woman's dilemma it should have begun with fullness, not emptiness. And yet that's how God wanted it. The natural mind would immediately begin to look for an overflow, an abundance, a great quantity or supply to give to her. Let's go see what's in the food bank. Let's see how much we can scrounge together. Let's see what, let's see what programs, let's see what uh, things are out there that we can take advantage of. But can I tell you, church, tonight, God has always been in the business of making something out of nothing. And he wants to make something out of you and I. He's got a plan and a purpose and a destiny for you and I. And, and we may feel like we're nothing, and we may need to have the attitude of, Lord, I am nothing without you. But in him, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The psalm of David said, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. How, how is that possible? Because when we empty ourselves of who we are, of the things that don't ma- don't match up with Jesus, the things that don't please him, when we empty ourselves, we are making room for him to fill us with him. And when he fills us with him, we can do all things. There is not anything we can accomplish. God understood this because if you look in the book of Genesis, when, uh, when all the, the people that were on earth all spoke one language, they got together and decided to do something very ignorant, arrogant and pride filled they decided to build a tower that they could climb and ascend into heaven. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that God says, we better go down and confuse their language because, because anything they put their mind to do, they can accomplish. Why is that? Because we were created in the image of the creator. We were created in God's image. We were made to be vessels of honor that he can flow through, that he can fill. Amen. God has always been in the business of making something out of nothing. He did it at creation, and he has never stopped. And there is nothing that attracts the Lord's attention like someone coming and saying, Lord, I empty myself of all that I am so you can fill me up. See, there's a natural law that says nothing remains empty. It must be filled. It will be filled. filled. In science, if you create a vacuum in the lab, no life can exist in that vacuum. Nature tries to fill every void and every emptiness, It's part of the nature that God created. So that tells me three things tonight. Emptiness is necessary for filling. Emptiness is necessary for filling. Number two, if we are empty, we will be filled. Number three is one of the most important. What we are filled up with is up to us. Emptiness is necessary for filling. If we are empty, we will be filled. What we are filled with is up to us. Since nothing can remain empty, we realize that, that that we've got to make a determination, a deliberate act of our will to be emptied, to empty ourselves. It won't just happen. We can't just say, well, I'll just show up and God will do whatever he wants to do. No, the level of expectation that you and I have, if you're desperate for God to do something, he will meet you at your level of desperation. When you determine that God I'm not going to settle. I call it I call it ugly praise. When you are so you are so burdened, you are so broken, you are so in desperate need of something from God. You don't care what it looks like. You don't care what you got to do. You're not going to let anybody stop you. The woman with the issue of the blood, she's she's a great example of that. Jesus was surrounded by followers and people and his disciples and his disciples, talk about bodyguard his disciples were trying to be bodyguards and keep people from touching Jesus and this woman, she'd spent all her money she'd wasted all her time, she'd had no relief, no help, she was dying and she said, I'm not going to let those guys, that crowd the dirt, the circumstances I'm not going to let any of that stop me I'm going to do whatever is necessary because I'm desperate and because she did that, the Lord met her desperation with healing and I'm here to tell you the same thing is true for you and I tonight now in this text the widow's told to go borrow as many vessels as she can find I doubt maybe I'm wrong I'm not taking away from scripture but I doubt all of them were completely empty We're not told a lot about those vessels. We're not told what size they were. We're not told what shape they are. We're not told what color they were. We're not told what they were used for before she was able to borrow them. The only requirement that was given, the only condition that the man of God placed on these jars was that they were empty. Regardless of the condition they were found in, regardless of the purpose they'd served before, empty was the required condition. The same thing is true for you and I, church. We need to come to God and be emptied of ourselves in order for Him to be able to fill us up with Him. Now, this widow understood a great concept that a lot of people struggle with. She said, if I'm going to fill up these jars, then I need to make sure they're empty because if there's stuff still in them, I can't get the maximum amount of oil in them. I'm pausing for a reason. The light's going on on many of you right now. If there's stuff still in these jars, if they're not completely empty of this other stuff, then I can't get the maximum amount of oil that I need to put. And that was what God said through the man of God. Fill them, fill them with the oil. You and I desperately need to clean out the stuff in our lives, church. We need to give our life completely to God. God wants to give us true life, not a substitute. He wants to give us a true life. And the way we receive that true life is to give up the life that we think we have wholly to him. And the true life that God wants to give us is a life that is totally sustained by God. The only life that can be wholly sustained by God is the life that's wholly given up to him. I know it sounds Christianese and cliche clicheish, but we've said it, and you've heard it said before, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, because he doesn't want to share lordship with you or anything else. John 15:5 says, "I am the vine, and you are the branches." He that abides in me and I in him, the same will bring forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We are the most valuable to God when we are empty of the things that take up space that he's supposed to occupy. Let me say that again. We are the most valuable to God when we are empty of stuff that takes up space that he's supposed to occupy. The Bible says I must decrease, but he must increase. When we become nothing, then he can become our everything. Now, some might be saying, well, hang on, Minister Barry. Aren't we supposed to, big dream, aren't we supposed to dream big dreams, dare to dream? Doesn't God desire great things for us? That's a good question. And the answer is yes. God does desire good good things for you and I. He desires great things for you and I. And God does want us to dream big dreams and have vision and receive vision from him and then put all our effort into carrying it out. But we got to make sure that it is for God that we want to do those great things and not ourselves. And the way to do that is to keep ourselves empty of pride and self-ambition and selfishness and covetousness and desires that aren't from God and following after the flesh. We'll come back to the widow in just a minute. But if you want to turn over to Mark chapter 9, I'm going to visit a passage of scripture real quick in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter nine begins uh, with with Jesus and, and his disciples, and he's on the Mount of Transfiguration and, and and the three that went with him, Peter James and John, they see Jesus and, 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 and see Jesus glorified, transfigured, and he comes down, and the rest of the disciples are there and a, a, and a, a man comes to him desperate for his Son to be delivered from from the demon that possessed him, and Jesus heals cast out the demon and heals the boy and he had said I tried to go to your followers and they couldn't do it and so then if you get on down to verse 33 it says then he came to Capernaum and when he was in the house he asked them the disciples what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road but they kept silent for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest so Jesus asked him a question and his boys who were following him they didn't want to fess up. They didn't want to own up to what they were talking about. Why? Because it was dealing with pride and, and and self-importance. So it says, verse 35, And he sat down and he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives Receives not me, but him who sent me. Jesus never told his disciples, don't aspire or reach for greatness. He never said, don't seek to do great things. Just realize that the way that God sees greatness is backwards to our natural mind and backwards to this world. It's putting others first. It's laying our life down. It's following his example and being a servant. If we do that, we'll be accomplishing great things. Jesus wants us to allow ourselves to be emptied of all that stuff so that he can fill us up to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, with his power, with his presence. Another passage real quick before we get back to the widow found in Judges chapter 7. It's the story of Gideon. And for time's sake, I'm not going to go through the whole story. But there's an interesting thing I saw in this, in this story of Gideon that has to do with empty vessels. Judges chapter 7 verse 16 says, And he, Gideon, divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. No sword, no spear, no knives, not even shields. Just a trumpet and an empty clay pot and a candle. Seems backwards and opposite to me if you're going to fight in a battle, right? But look at, look at chapter, Judges chapter 7 verse 20. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hand to blow and they cried the sword of the Lord and Gideon. What was it that made the picture valuable for God's purpose? It wasn't their beauty. It wasn't their particular shape or design. It wasn't what they'd been used for in the past. It wasn't whose house they had come from. And not because of what they were made of. What made them valuable to God's purpose is the same thing that makes you and I valuable to Him today. They were empty and they were breakable because when they were empty except for the light and then they were broken then the light shined out and that's what god is calling you and i to do to be vessels of honor that are sanctified and set apart useful to the master for every good work because we empty ourselves of everything except him and then we allow him to break us so that we can then shine forth and shine the light of christ everywhere God has a higher purpose for you and I than just taking up space. God has a higher purpose for you and I than just living a successful life here in this life, uh, being considered successful by people dying and going to heaven. That's not the, our reason for being. Our reason for being is to be the vessels of honor that show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into this glorious light. And do we show the world out there who is in desperate need for the answer and the truth that as we're emptied of ourselves and filled by Him and He breaks us on a daily basis so that He can shine forth, so that He increases and we decrease, then we are accomplishing what God has called us to do and we'll hear those words from Him. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you know what? That's an exciting life. That's an exciting life. To get to... to, If you've ever gone, uh, uh, our KSM students, shout out to all our KSM students tonight. I'm so, I'm so proud of them. I started to say I'm so stinking proud of them, but maybe that's not a good way to say it. I am so proud of them. And we have 28 amazing world changers that'll be graduating on the 22nd of this month. And Jan, Minister Jan and I are super proud of their effort. Two years of commitment, two years of dedication and giving themselves. And we, this year, uh, last year and this year, both, we we've, shared on evangelism did a course on evangelism i gotta slow down yes lord and we taught them uh, principles of evangelism because we're all called to evangelize i'm not talking about all called to be an evangelist that's one of the five-fold ministry gifts that christ gave to the church we are all called to evangelize to share our faith we're it if this world's going to get saved we're it That's why we got to be empty vessels of honor that are filled up with him, that he can break us in a moment's notice in any situation. And the answer to that situation comes flowing out of us. But it was amazing that some of our students, especially our first year students, came back uh, after going out during class. We sent them out by twos and threes. And they came back and some some of them were, they were super excited. They're like, I can't wait to do that again. It was so amazing. No, they didn't pray a sinner's prayer, but man, they started crying and they let us pray for them. No, we, and some were, we, we let them in a, in a prayer of salvation right there. And they were so excited. Can I tell you that there's something about allowing God to use you to bring forth the gospel message of who he is because this world is doing everything it can to distort the view of God to get people to have a wrong concept of God, that he's out to get them, that he's out to hurt them, that he's out to cause them evil. That's not God's plan at all. God wants to use you and I as we present ourselves to him and say, Lord, if you can use me and you tell me that you can, so by faith I believe that you will, here am I. Get rid of anything that doesn't please you. Get rid of anything that doesn't look like you. Get rid of anything that causes and takes up space that you're to occupy. And when he fills us, then he can break that vessel and we can release what he's filled us with. And then he fills us up again and he repeats the process as we make ourselves available. All right, let's get back to the widow real quick. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Paul says in Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. Let's get back to the widow. Empty vessels, the prophet said, as many as she could find. Now surrounded by the empty vessels, this desperate woman begins to pour out her little pot of oil. And as the story tells us to her amazement, every vessel, every empty vessel was filled. It was only when there was no longer an empty vessel that the oil stopped flowing. If we would have a fresh flow of the holy anointing of God, there is no other way. We must come to him empty. We must come to him empty. What do we need to empty ourselves of? Pride. If we could empty ourselves of our own pride and our thinking of our own self-importance. Listen, we are precious to God. We are precious to God. I'll say it one more time because somebody needs to hear me. We are precious. You and I are precious to God. Do you not know that your life is not your own, but you have been bought with a price the precious blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross for God uh, the love of God has been shed abroad in the hearts because the Holy Spirit was given to us. This is how we know that God loves us, then that While we were sinners. Christ died for us. Don't tell me you're not worth something. You are worth everything to God because he gave everything for you and I. But we can't let that turn into self-importance. We can't let that turn into some inflated, I'm all that in a bag of chips. Without him, we're lost. Anything more than hell, excuse me, anything less than hell is more than you and I deserved. We deserved hell. And yet God said, no, I've made a way and his name is Jesus. And he came and I sent him because I loved you so much that if, if you'll believe in him and what he did on the cross and you'll repent of your sins and you'll stop acting and living like a world apart from me and you'll start acting and living like him by becoming empty of all that other stuff and allowing him to fill you up with himself with the power of Holy Spirit, then I can begin to use you and make you a vessel of honor. Jesus said, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. I, 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 by beliefs by faith, we have successfully raised six children because we're technically empty nesters. There's a side story to that, but that's okay. But I believe we have we have successfully raised six children, and I can I can remember the times when it was. I'm hungry. Okay. Well, here's this. No, I don't want that. Then no, you're not hungry. Well, no, no, I'm really hungry. Okay. Well, here, here's what we have. Well, no, that's not what, that's not, I I don't like that. Then you're not hungry. Well, when can I have something? When you're hungry enough to eat this that we've prepared, then you can. Oh, that's cruel. You ought to give your kids everything they want. Do that. And you're going to have all kinds of problems. As pastor says, you'll have a prison ministry. It's one thing to say, God, God, I'm hungry for more of you. And he says, okay, well, what about this? What, what about how <laughs> come on? Amen. What about that? What are that? What about that pride issue? I, I, gentlemen. <clears throat> pride seems to be more of an issue for us males than it does for our female counterparts. And it's amazing what the Lord will do if you'll allow Him through the gift of the wife that He has given you if you're married or if you're not married yet, the wife that you will have. They will help you to deal with your pride because I am convinced in reading and studying Scripture that the root of every sin that man commits is pride because that was the first sin that entered the world. Pride entered into the heart of Lucifer to where he wanted to exalt himself above God. If you and I can empty ourselves of our pride if you and I can empty ourselves of our feeling of self-importance. I'm not talking about gloom, despair and agony on me, deep dark depression, excessive misery, if it weren't for bad luck I'd have no luck at all. I'm not talking about having that attitude. I'm not I'm not talking about I'm not talking about having a, you know, I'm nothing, I'm going to go out and eat lay in the dirt and eat worms. I'm not talking about having that attitude. I'm talking about having the attitude of I am precious to him. He bought me because he bought me. I belong to him. And because I belong to him, he can tell me what I need to do, where I need to go, how I need to live, what I need to say, what I need to get rid of, what I need to put down, what I need to allow him to raise up. I simply am a vessel of honor, crafted set apart, sanctified, and placed in the hands of the master to be used for every good work. I want to be filled. I don't know about you, but I want to be filled. So I better make sure I'm empty. I better make sure I'm empty of all the stuff that, 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 you know, the Bible calls them weights and sin. Let us lay aside those weights and sin that so easily besets us. Got to get rid of him. Got to lay him down. Got to bring our vessel to him, our lives, and say, Lord, get it out of me. Get it out of me so there's more room for you. One last reference real quick. I got three minutes. One last reference. Mark chapter 14, verses three through nine, a very familiar story. In fact, this story, Jesus said, wherever the gospels preached, this story will be told in honor of this woman. It's the story of the woman with the alabaster box that came into the presence of Jesus. And she came with something that the world considered valuable beyond belief. This alabaster box of perfume, highly expensive perfume. And she came and what did she do? She allowed herself as an act of worship to break that box of very expensive perfume to where it ran out all over her hands and the floor and the aroma filled the room. And she anointed Jesus with that And what the world says was valuable beyond belief, Jesus said it was beyond price in his eyes after it was broken and emptied out. And can I tell you tonight, church, you and I will be be beyond price in the eyes of Jesus if we can keep ourselves in that condition of being emptied before him and then broken before him so that what he fills us with will flow out and change this world. Amen? Come on church, let's do this. Let's do this. There is a world that is in desperate need of you and I. The Bible says that creation is waiting for the son. They're waiting on the sons and daughters of God. Creation is waiting for us to stand up and take our place and do what we were created to do. And that's to glorify him and reflect him with everything in our lives, every day of our lives